seeking the Lord's blessing, can we turn again to the chapter we read, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We read at verse 10. And so I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This is also vanity. I was speaking earlier on uh, today after morning service to some of the brethren uh, regarding the preaching and what is suitable for preaching from the Word of God. Sometimes when a preacher visits a congregation that he is not too familiar with, trying to find, let we pray by the Spirit, a suitable text is not always the easiest thing. But I do believe that wherever preaching is, that the preaching must be relevant. It must be edifying. It obviously must be challenging. It must be God glorifying. Now when we look at the text that we have here tonight in verse 10, I am sure that this text here is a text that you would say, well, that is surely a text for the unconverted to challenge them. Surely it can only be for the unbeliever. But then if we say that it is all part of God's word, and it is, and every part of God's word is for all people, can we then separate it in that way for the Christian and the non-Christian? Well, I suppose hedging saying, well, there's a yes and a no answer to that. And if we believe that the word of God is relevant for us all, then we have to accept it as it comes. There are some portions that are obviously more relevant to the believer and other portions more so to the unbeliever. But I don't think that we should separate it so much sometimes as we do. And so I would suggest to you that this text, that it can and should be uh, preached to all of us, including the believer, yes, I believe so. How can that be? Well, whoever you are tonight, whatever your standing is before God, we all need to examine our lives and ask ourselves, even in the light of a text like this, am I his or am I not? And very often the Lord uses such occasions for the Lord's people to examine ourselves. And of course I include myself very much in this. But I believe that this text tonight that the Lord has led me to preach this message and I must apply it, I pray to myself as I pray to yourself 
and that you would apply it, whoever you are tonight, to your own situation. I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy and they were forgotten in the city for they had so done. This is also vanity. Now we know, of course, this book in many ways, it's uh, not the easiest book in the world to read, but there are wonderful, glorious, clear passages in it as well. It is, as we know, authored by Solomon. And we know of reading through the book that Solomon seemed to have tried so many different ways to find satisfaction in his life. He wasn't lacking for anything even the great wisdom of God, but sadly that he went astray at times. But what is the conclusion we see so often in it? Vanity. Vanity of vanities. This book then doesn't always flow as a narrative, but we could say that whatever else, at the center of it all is the question, what is life all about? That's a question I believe that all of us can ask ourselves tonight. And the, the book, book often brings before us views of the lives of the ungodly in contrast with uh, the godly people. We see in it in the writer's own view the ultimate conclusion of futility, as I said, and vanity of seeking after earthly goals as an end in themselves. And points to very clearly then what we have brought before us here. And I suppose really that what we have at the end of verse things, because he feareth not before God, that sums up the fear of God and those who do not have the fear of God. I would like this evening to look here at a funeral, and a funeral of an ungodly man, but to seek to apply that to us all. And as I said, to seek to ask ourselves, how is this relevant to my situation? Don't just think, Christian here tonight, don't just think, well, this is for those who are not believers. It is certainly that, but it is also for you and I as well. First of all, then, we can consider a funeral and in detail, the man who died, and then we can consider finally the gravestone at the end of it all. Well, here we have a funeral. Do you remember how the, possibly the best known funeral that we have, the Lord Jesus tells, tells about what happened there uh, in the New Testament with the friend uh, of the Lord. And then we have other funerals where of an ungodly rich man in Luke chapter 16. You remember that as well. The rich man died and was buried. And so you have Lazarus and so on. Now, you can imagine for such a person as is brought before us there in the New Testament, you can imagine the great elaborate arrangements made for that man's funeral. With all his riches and all his power, what an occasion it would have been. What a wonderful way that he would have been given as it were a send-off and how much people would have spoken well of him. You can imagine the occasion. You can imagine uh, in your mind's eye the pomp that would be there and the ceremony there and the 
great fishing over there and the impressive probably coffin, whatever they would use to bury him, as well the grave itself, the, the tomb itself, all these things. But you know what? Well, as the parable tells us in the script before, what was that at the end of the day? And that, dear friends, is the same as we have as we consider this passage here. What is all that at the end of the day? But all that was going on. And for that man there, we read in the New Testament, for all that was going on at that time, out of sight of all these mourners, he was already his soul in hell, tormented by the flames of hell, tormented because of his lack of godliness. However much she looked, however great the funeral was, and there is something of that brought before us here in the text. Here we have the picture of a wicked man that has been buried. Maybe something like the rich man there of Luke, having not prepared for eternity. And how often we see that, friends. Great pomp and ceremony at funerals. And yet there is no word that there was any preparation, no proof even at times that they such people that they are prepared for eternity. And so others so often may speak well of them. And some, often, some, some may speak well of yourself when that great day comes for you. And yet, what is that at the end of the day? It would even seem here, this kind of person, that he was misusing his riches. Nothing wrong with riches. It's a blessing from God when it's used properly. But see at the end of verse 9 there, it speaks about a man who of honor to his own heart. What he was doing was obviously oppressing others. That's the kind of man that he is speaking about here, that Solomon has seen. But now, he's buried. He is buried. The funeral has come. And this is for us all, friends, because we're all going to the grave. Every one of us, except the Lord comforts, we're all going to go there. The day will come for us. The day of your funeral and mine will come. Whether you're a Christian or not, it makes no difference when the voice of death comes in that sense. There will be a funeral. And the need we have to be ready for it. And the reality is, it may not be so far away for some of us. Oh, we often find that it's so easy to see someone else passing away. And to think of other people passing away. But you think even of this very congregation itself. When you look back a few months or even the last few years, the empty places, those known to us, those loved by us, and now they are gone. They may well have been, and we pray for Christian funerals so different. But were they all Christian funerals? Were they all God's people who were buried when that day of funeral came? From this very building, maybe, or elsewhere, funeral service. And there you will be one day, and I will be my friend, and our mortal remains to be carried, to be laid in the ground somewhere. Oh, well, how well people may speak of you then. What an impression your funeral might make of some people. What lovely messages may be on cards that will be there. What beautiful flowers, wreath of flowers, on your very expensive coffin. So what? What does that say? 
Well, it says much, but does it say the truth, the reality? And maybe not a penny will be spared, as it were. And what happens? Often it happens when we see it. Great funeral, those left behind. What happens? Even loved ones squabbling over what's left so often. Very often because people have not been given to the Lord as they should. Not given themselves, not given of their substance. And what good will it do, dear friends? What good will it do for people who speak well of you to have a great funeral? What good will that do when you're lying in that coffin six foot under? That's the reality we have to face. That's what we have to think of. And your soul having departed days before, before the holy God. Have you thought much of that? Well, you say, of course I have. Well, friend, keep thinking about it. Keep thinking about it. Well, yes, for the Lord's people, it should never be before us. We saw to look at reason. It should never be before us. For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. You may well hear tonight, some of you, and I believe that is so, that many of you have lived a decent, upright, moral life. But you may not have. You may not have. And there might be much in your life tonight that's hidden from everyone else. And nobody knows except God about it. And you think because nobody else knows as long as things are looking good on the outside. And people will speak well of you at your funeral. But dear friend, if God is not the priority in your life, if Christ is not first and foremost for you, what we read there, we, we sang them in Psalm 37. I saw the wicked, great in power, spread like a green tree, and then he was not. Gone! That he left, even looking so strong and powerful. Wonder that's going to be for some here. When you are gone, you look so strong and powerful, so important even in the community, in this very congregation. But what is that at the end of the day? And this man of our text seems to have been very important man, a high position maybe even. But it speaks about here, gone from the place of the holy. That can refer to a high position and other things as well as we'll see in a moment. But what happens? Well, you know, soon forgotten. They were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This is also vanity. How quickly, dear friends, we forget. Soon forgotten. Who would imagine at such a great funeral? Think about yourself. Some funerals maybe you've been at. So impressive. And here, even those that picture here somebody who was who was so much part of society, who was seen to the fore. And now, having lived life to the full, how quickly he can be and is forgotten. Well, dear friends, if it will be that our friends also, whoever they are, when we are gone, we will soon be forgotten. The vast majority of those who attend 
will not think of me very often. When you think of that yourself, you and I know, of course, without nearest and dearest, that how often we go to funerals and we might even be impressed by many things. And then if you think about it in two or three weeks' time, how often have you thought about these people? That they've gone out of your mind and you get on with life and that's how it is. The person you funeral you attend, they're hardly ever on your mind, you know what that is like. But that's the reality. Oh, my friend, it's not about the funeral, it's not about what people think about it, it's what the Lord thinks about us and where we are going. All the nice things said about yourself at your funeral, you know what, friend, it won't change a single thing of what you were really like before God. People speak so well at funerals. Ministers, and we are much to account for some the way that we conduct some funerals. And those who pray at your funeral at your wake, oh, they can be gushing in your praise. But dear friend, what good is that? If at that moment your soul is in a lost eternity, suffering the agonies of a lost eternity. The foolishness, the vanity of such things. And so many nowadays seem to accord what we hear at so many funerals. It's as if they have a right to heaven. That all you have to do to get to heaven is to die, to be with Christ. That seems to be the impression. Is that not so, so often at funerals? How often it seems to be that speak about these things and the nice things that are said. Of course, nobody wants to be offensive at such a time. But dear friends, I feel that we've gone far too far the other way. And we give place to these things and people and thought about them, gushing in our praise. And so according to how much we hear, this is how it is. Whether people die in faith or not, they're now at rest. Oh, my friend, whatever they are, they're not at rest, except in Christ. And you will not be at rest. Whatever anybody says, you leave behind, except you die in Christ. That is the only rest. That is the only hope that we can have. This is what is needed for us. We need to realize that that is the reality. Of course, we cannot judge for sure, as it were, everybody that between a person and his God. But Scripture makes clear at the same time, by the fruits you shall know them. And we just leave these things at that. For that says the Lord as well, doesn't it? By the fruits you shall know them. But all here tonight, unsaved sinner, I pray, I pray that you would realize that how death finds you, and as you laid in your coffin, that cannot change. And you cannot change. And nothing will change. Where death finds you and comes down upon you as it were, calls you in a moment out of the sin of time. No time for repentance then. Your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, is fixed before your funeral. Before your last breath is when you have to do it. How do you think 
people at your own funeral are going to describe you? What will they be saying about you? Oh, I know how you would like to think and how you would like to be thought of. But are you leaving a fragrance? Will you leave a fragrance of Christ behind? Will they see something as you are carried in your coffin and think of something of there's a man, there's a woman, there's a young boy or a young girl who loved the Lord and it was evident in their lives. Whatever anybody else thinks. Our friend, that will not be said of us that we are the wicked who are buried and that we are gone from the scene of time and into a lost eternity. When that funeral day comes, that, as another said, that the minister would be able, they wouldn't have to tell lies about you. That the truth would be said. That here is a man or a woman who have gone to be with Christ. Do you have that hope here this evening? Well, there's the funeral, and then secondly, more about the man here as we have in who was buried. Solomon says to us that he was the wicked, so I saw the wicked buried. It's translated as for the ungodly, the unjust, the guilty. But also, what do we see about him? Who had come and gone from the place of the holy. Who had come, the text says, and gone from the place of the Holy. Now there are different views on what it means here about the place of the holy. Uh, some see it as mentioned being, as we already mentioned, a place of importance. But also I think it can be suggesting to us that we can apply that here to the evening maybe in this way. They have gone from the place of the holy where you are tonight. In the house of God. Can it not be seen that there are so many in this way, to some degree engage with those who are truly worshipping in a holy place, as it were. You've come, so many of you, and it happens in all the places. People who faithfully come to God's house, you'll come and you'll go from this holy place, as some have done even in these past few months, from all our congregations, from our families, those who attended church, those who sat with godly people, those who sang the praises, those who heard the word. And sadly, also sadly, that's where the hope lies. In their church attendance, in their religiosity, and yet never being right with God. It may be, my friend, that you, as it were, have been rubbing shoulders with the godliest of the godly in this congregation for many years. They may be within your own homes, with your own wider circle of family, but what about you? Is that what you're depending on? Well, my friend, what will God say to you? He sees you as wicked. He sees you as one who has not put his faith and trust in Christ. And you see, friends, Dealing with our sins is not about being in church. 
It's not about being with God's people. It's about not knowing Christ as your Saviour. And you need to realise that tonight here, whoever you are, before it's too late, that if you carry on as you are, however much you may be religious, however much you may attend the means of grace, however much you mix with God's people, what was said of this man will be said of you by God, the wicked, the ungodly, the guilty. What might not be said about those who bury you? It might not at all be thought by them. But there is one, my dear friend, who knows our hearts. And nothing is hid from him. We may, and use the word, fool others around us. But we cannot fool God. And may I say also as a warning, and believe me, friends, I speak to myself often enough about this. Am I a minister of the gospel fooling myself? Are you, who's been a, who's been a Christian for maybe many years, are you fooling yourself? Are you right that you ought to be with God? What will be said of you by God at the end of the day? This is what matters, is it not, about everything else? For all our religiosity, are we guilty still before a holy God? People. There was a man who was buried in Sky many, many years ago. He was not a good man. He was not a good father, not a good husband. In many ways, he was seen as a wicked man. Not a funeral service, it seems. Minister officiating spoke about him as if he was the greatest saint. And went on a great length about that. But on the way out, his two daughters were heard, overheard, one saying to the other, whoever they buried today, it wasn't our dad. You see, friends, the funeral service may say many nice things about but what are you before God? And look at verse 11 here also. Because sentence against an evil work is not excused speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. There's a sermon and sermon to that Because God, you see, perfectly goes on in sin. And you see, that's how it is. And so because God has not dealt with you because of that sin, and you know there's some sin in your life, well, you just go on, and because sentence is not executed against you, the moment you sin, no, well, people say, you sin that sin, God will strike you down. Well, God hasn't struck me down, so everything must be, it can't be that bad. But you see, friends, though your heart of sons of men fully set into evil, don't fool yourself. The day will come when you will have to give an account. And there, sadly, friends, in verse 11, is a description of many. It's a description of you tonight. God hasn't dealt with me, and I know I have sinned greatly, so therefore it cannot be that bad. 
You're still spared. You're still on mercy's ground. No need to worry, you think. My friend, no need to worry. God has not dealt with me for sinning so far. So far. So far. But you will have to give an account on that day. And the moment your soul leaves your body, torn apart, soul and body torn apart, I believe, though unseen by human eyes, that the soul heading for hell, at that moment, it must be the most awful moment, they must recoil, as it were, in horror at that very moment of death. Again, there was a man who stayed across the road from where I was born and brought up. And to see for many years came back. He was indeed, even those of us who were youngsters, remembered him as an evil, wicked man. But that man with all his bravado and all that he thought he was, in an accident, knocked down by a car and ended up in hospital. And I believe and was told that in the few moments of an hour or so before his death, it's as if he saw what was awaiting him. And this big, huge, big man, so strong and great in his own eyes, pleading with the nurses to not let go his hands as he went into eternity. My dear friends, what a thought. Going into eternity, not having made your peace with God. So I ask you tonight, are you ready tonight? If you were to die tonight, are you ready to face God who knows you? Whatever people think of you, he knows you like no one else does. Your every sinful action that was yours. And he's noticed and taken note of every single sin. What a day that will be, standing before God without an intercessive mediator. So, friend, I ask you then, does this text describe you? Could this be me? Could this be me? Don't put it off you, off from thinking about it whoever you are tonight. So we see a funeral, the man who's been buried. And then thirdly, finally, there is also will be, and we can imagine, a gravestone. A gravestone. You can just imagine a man who was so important. Oh, there would be a tomb of some sort. And we can imagine a gravestone. What would be written on that gravestone? Well, this name would be there, as would be yours and mine. The day of your birth would be there, as would be yours and mine usually. And more importantly, the day of your death would be there. The day of your death. You'd be gone from the scene of time. And all that would be left there would be this gravestone with your name on it, on the day that you died. And maybe even a text, a nice comforting text along the bottom of the gravestone. 
Oh, friends, how often, it seems to me at least, that they are there so often as a good luck charm at the bottom of a gravestone. And yet, and yet at the same time, God has already written something else. God has written Ichabod across that precious name. The wicked separated from God's grace and cast into hell. Whatever the text, whatever is said about him at the funeral, this will be the reality. My dear friends, what's it going to be like for you? What's going to be said of you? What will be written there on your stone? Whatever is written is going to be true, that you're dying godless, that you're dying Christless, that you're dying without hope. Yes, indeed, friend, maybe somebody will write something nice. This man never missed church. This woman was a kind and gentle lady. This young teenager was so obedient to their parents. And yet God is saying, Ichabod. And God is saying, vanity of vanities over your life. What a fearful thought, friends. Here in this world, in a cemetery somewhere, a gravestone with lovely words may be etched in gold whitely. While at the same time, what God is saying about that person is so different. Vanity, vanity of this unbelief. And if that is so, whatever is on the gravestone, whatever people see at the funeral, what you will hear in the moment you enter into eternity without Christ, depart from me, worker of iniquity. Depart from me into that hell, that fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Oh, my friend, we should think more about these things. And oh, it's not popular nowadays to say too much about hell. Keep from preaching too much about it. You examine your own life as I must do mine. What am I going to hear when I pass away in this world? Whatever is on my gravestone? Depart from me. Why? Was it because you didn't attend church? Was it because you were a nice person? Was because you were good to people? No, but because Christ wasn't loved by you, as you are commanded in Scripture. Oh, well, I gave this and I did that. And I gave a tithe and I helped in every way I can and I stopped doing this and I don't drink anymore and I keep the Sabbath day relatively well and all these things. And yet, dear friend, what is going to be said unless you give your heart, soul, and mind and strength to the Lord. What we said is, Ichabod, Ichabod. He feareth not, he says here in verse 30, before God. In other words, in the eyes of the only one that matters, here this is summing up. No fear of God in your life. You know, friends, that our bodies crumbling into dust in every cemetery in the land and in the world, Christians and unbelievers. But for some, their souls, and we believe that 
we are, our, our judgment is not infallible, but we have very good reason to believe that many of them are today the souls in a ready in a way we cannot fully understand, rejoicing in the presence of the Saviour. Ah, what a thought that is. But whatever friend the gravestone says, that's not the case for everyone who dies. Whatever every minister says in our service, that's not the case for everyone who passes away. For such their souls are already suffering in that eternal damnation and will do so for all eternity. I do know. But what a fearful thought that someone here maybe more than one tonight and that's going to be the reality for you except you repent with all your religiosity it will do you my dear friend no good I don't say that to you I pray not with hardness of heart but with brokenness of heart and any who have been so diligent, so faithful in the means of grace, would depend upon that and not on Christ of the means. It's a fearful thing that that could be so. But dear, my dear friend, when our time comes to die, if the finger of God was to write uh, uh, epitaph across on your gravestone, what do you think you would write? I know what you would like it to be. It is clear what you would like it to be. But friend, be honest with yourself while you still have opportunity. What do you think he would write? You see, death is not the time for repentance. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Maybe even tonight. You could make a peace with God this last Sabbath of July and you would remember it as the night of the day when you made your peace with God. So that doesn't matter what's on your gravestone, doesn't matter how you die or when you die, but that you're going to be with Christ. That you have that hope. How can you have that hope? Only if you're at peace with God through Christ. You see, is that possible? Of the Lord who said tonight, and I know I'm a religious person, I know I never miss church, I know I keep the Sabbath, I know this, I do that, the next thing, but you're telling me that that's nothing, it's nothing. So is it possible for me to be saved? Of course it is. Of course it is. Look around you in this very church tonight, and you'll see those who were exactly as you were once, and even worse in many ways some of them. And they're sitting beside you and around you, who can testify to the grace of God, to the forgiveness of Christ, to knowing the Lord as their Saviour. So my dear friend, I say to you, 
Don't you then be one who lowly has good words on your headstone. Don't you be one that just say nice things at your funeral. When, if you carry on as you are, an awful end awaits you. So Christ is willing to save. He is able to save even here tonight. All who come to him. And you here tonight who profess the Lord, being amongst those that we spoke of this morning, you who profess the Lord, I say this to you, make sure, oh, make sure that you're not deceiving yourself. We all need surely to do that. One thing about death, it puts us all in our place. But the question at the end of the day is, what place? Where will you be when that great call comes? Whether it's tonight, next week, or 50 years from today, what will be said of you not by those you leave behind, although it is good to have a good witness, friends. So it's good to have a good witness. But ultimately, what does God say? I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This is also vanity. And it's all because fear not before God. Do you know this for yourself? Can you say tonight, I know that my Redeemer loveth. I am not depending on what I am myself. I am depending on the finished work of Christ. That's where my hope lies. Would to God that all of us would believe that tonight. A wonderful thought that one day Everyone here, everyone here would have the hope that one day we'll meet each other in glory. Let us pray. O Lord God, what shall we render to thee for all thy goodness to us? Help us, Lord, to make our situations are right according to thy word. Whether we are here tonight or not as yet, profess faith in Christ, that we would not even close our eyes in sleep tonight till we had made our calling sure. And if we are those who maybe have professed for many, many years, that we would again examine our lives, that we would not even depend and especially not depend on having just sat at the Lord's table, for that will not save any of us. We pray then, gracious God, that we will examine ourselves for we be in the faith. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We'll sing again in Psalm number 49. Psalm number 49.
and from verse 16. Be thou not then afraid when one in which thou dost see, nor when the glory of his house advance to us on high, for he shall carry nothing hence when death is dazed at end, nor shall his glory after him into the grave descend. Psalm 49 from verse 16. Be thou not then afraid when one in which thou dost see. Thursday will be taken by Mr. Tim Nixon and the service next Sabbath is usual time of 11 and 6.30 again the preacher has not as yet been arranged and the building fund collection for July is also due today let us conclude <coughs> the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit Rest on and abide with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.